laugh at this next part. In a world of political correctness and cancel culture, two comedians have risen up to prove that with the right angle, anything can be funny. This is You Can't Laugh at That. Who writes these? Huh? We should have this person locked up and looked at. Live from Golden Ox Studios in Cleveland, Ohio, it's Steve Mers and David Horning on this week's episode your resistance to laughing about this group of people is more of a reflection on yourself than it is the group of people. Yeah, I do think so. I could, it's you, people, you always see it with crowds, uh, with people in crowds, like where you're like, they're bringing whatever they're bringing to your jokes, but you can't, you'd never met them. So how would you know anything, <laughs> you know? So whatever their personal trauma is or personal experience, they're bringing all that into what you're saying, which is, that's a tough matchup, <laughs> you know? You write to try to, um, uh, I keep that in mind, but it's like, yeah, of course you're going to miss. You don't know everybody in the world. Hey, this is David from You Can Laugh at That. Make sure you follow us on social media on Facebook and on Twitter at You Can't Laugh Pod. Make sure you go to GoldenOxStudio.com if you're interested in learning how to record a podcast at Golden Ox Studio. Jeremy also works remotely. So if you are not in the Cleveland area, you can still get your podcast recorded and edited by the very talented Mr. Jeremy Demery. That being said, make sure you join our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash you can't laugh pod. If you would like any and all bonus footage from each episode of this podcast, pretty soon they're going to be worth something someday for $5 a month. You'll get up to least a half hour of bonus footage patreon.com forward slash you can't laugh pod and enjoy this episode of you can't laugh at that with anthony devito you can't laugh at that all right well welcome to you can't laugh at that the podcast where we take topics that aren't funny and we prove that they are funny in a world that takes itself too seriously we have to be able to do that and uh, joining us today is not steve Mers. steve has been canceled uh, co-hosting in his place today is Jeremy Demery of the aforementioned Golden Ox Studio. What's up, Jeremy? Who's never said anything cancelable or problematic ever in his life. We canceled him because he's too funny. That's good. Smart. Yeah. Good, yeah. Move for, good move for a podcast. This <laughs> guy's too good. We got to let him go. <laughs> <laughs> he's stealing our thunder. And I feel like that's the way to get ahead in all mm. lines of business is just try to get rid of the competition so you're the sole survivor. Yep, that's how I've done it. One by <laughs> one, I've cleared out my enemies. <laughs> I wait for something to oppose a threat, and then I kill it off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I bring him close, and that's why the Red Dude cast ended. You were like, these guys, we can't we can't do this anymore. Oh, no, no. There were all kinds of criminal charges that we needed to distance <laughs> ourselves from each other. <laughs> I set them up. <laughs> no. I'll tell you, we, well, I'll tell you honestly what happened. We just did we did a hundred episodes on Zoom during the <laughs> pandemic, and we were like, we can't do this anymore. Oh my God, it's too much. It's over. Well, over a week during the <laughs> pandemic on Zoom. Oh boy, I I there were moments I would look at my uh, I would look at my external camera and just cry that I had to set it up. <laughs> oh God. Sorry. Only thing trauma seen you in weeks. Yeah, 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 man. I can't look at my face anymore. It's a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, that's that. That was the weirdest part of doing Zoom shows. By the way, that that's our guest. That's Anthony DeVito. Uh, Anthony DeVito killed off his competition so that he could do Colbert. He's been on Comedy Central <laughs> just for laughs. Uh, you can check out his album Dream Occupation, which is anywhere you can find albums. There's a link for the album in the show notes. Uh, he's on Sirius XM, and uh, you have a you have a new podcast now, right? Uh, I don't, but I'll make one up. Sure. All right. What is Base- it? <laughs> Baseball times <laughs> with Anthony DeVito. Where we talk about life of the majors. <laughs> that is co-host here, Jeremy the Jibbler. Damn yeah, man. Jeremy the Jig. And, no, it was uh, nothing about sports because he was homeschooled. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. And Ken Burns. He's also attached. <laughs> so should be good. Each episode is 14 hours long. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's just a slow pan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah it's, it's a slow, you can't even see it. I mean, it's an audio medium. It's a slow <laughs> pan. But Ken insists, you know, and I, I feel bad. <laughs> yeah, he's the creative director. That's yeah, great. You should bring in Bobby Benilla for an episode. He's still, he's doing it. So cool. That is, that's so great. A million dollars once a year. I like the Mets are starting to lean into it and like kind of celebrate it, which is like fun. Um, but it's, and it's all due to a, because they invested with Bernie Madoff. Oh, it's so crazy. <laughs> it's great that they're leaning into it though. And that's, that's just one of those things that when you fuck up, you got to own it. The quicker you can move on. Um, and, and that's a reason why we do this podcast for, for one, because people are so quick to like get defensive, uh, if they're not comics, comics are oh, obviously sure. like, Oh, this is material. Right. Um, but the, the regular human being is like, I'm going to resist this and I'm going to cause myself more stress and pain. And, 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 uh, we're going to talk about old people who have spent their whole lives doing it. Yeah. I love my that's- favorite, my favorite group of people, my favorite topic, the elderly. <laughs> I was actually uh, just just kind of skimming some articles about this. There's a, a Guardian article that uh, this was right when Michael Shea did a joke on Weekend Update about a 60 year old Chinese woman giving birth. And he uh, he described it as uh, removing a penny from a wad of chewing gum. <laughs> <laughs> and, and there's this whole article, uh, this think piece about uh, the ageism uh, epidemic. As far as uh, as far as like we should cancel people for that. Yeah, Mm. but then the I mean, I I mean, I only you know, my experience is like live with them, uh, not only with my grandmother, but then also, you know, on the road, you know, I'm not in a position where I'm I have fans that look like me. I play casinos with all <laughs> 75 year old people in the crowd and they love those jokes. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like they're very, you know, you're very aware of your situation and like the best thing, the best way to take the gravity out of it is to laugh at it. And also it's like, they're getting attention, you know, they're like, they're such a forgotten about group that it's always bothered me where it's like SNL, you know, there was always this push for diversity, but then no, there's no divert there. No one's like, well, we also need our token old, person like no one does that and it's like yeah they have a lot to offer and um but i just you know people just don't like looking at old people because it reminds them of death but Mm. um you know it's it always kind of irks me that they're not really looked uh at as like still a functioning group in our society do do you think that's what it is it's the reminder of our own mortality that that's going to be us one day and you know i think to some degree yeah. yeah 
um, for sure. Because, uh, you know, you just you don't want to see your own mortality. And when you're seeing someone that age, you have to face it. And that's uh, <laughs> that's difficult, which I understand. Mm-hmm. But uh, also, it's like yeah, if we were more upfront about that, death might not be so scary. Right. Uh, I love joking about death. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it, it's obviously not. I'm not going to open a set with it, but, you know, eventually oh, I've later tried on. and failed. Many <laughs> times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. No, no, no it's, it's tough to do it an open mic because, I mean, with that, you yeah. got to really work yes. out the kinks. But if you open, you know, you have a whole five minute chunk about death and it, it's hard to open with that and win the crowd over. Because, again, we we resist it. But at the same time, it's the thing that brings us all together. It's like we have that in common. (laughs) Yeah. And it's that running clock which keeps life, you know, interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, with anything, if there's just no parameters, if there's no time limit on anything, like, you know, you'll kind of take things for granted. But if Mm -hmm. you know there's going to be an end, you're much more willing to uh, soak up everything that is life. Um, so, yeah, no, they're so invaluable, the elderly. And uh, they're just uh, walked over or um, looked past, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting point, too, that you made about about SNL. Like, the, just the double standard of we want a diverse cast, but nobody totally. can be over 35. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, like, even stop by. And <laughs> yeah. Right. Throw him a bone once in a while. It happens. Yeah. <laughs> but man, like that's when it was so good. Like, I mean, you know, Daryl Hammond was younger, but you when you had these cast members that were a little bit older, it just felt like such a more well-rounded show. Mm-hmm. And it's like, man, I would love to see, you know, think about Betty White as a cast member and like all that Amazing. potentially opens up and like whatever new perspective you could gain from your uh from um your sketches with her in them. Like I I don't know. I just I just think like they should be treated as any other group because mm-hmm. at some point you look, you know, like, uh, you know, at some point age makes people, it doesn't matter the race. At some point you're like, you're 70 and you're 20 and that's the day you could be anything, you know? So it's like, uh, I do, I do think looking at them as like an actual group of people, which we do already. So why not just admit it? Um, it could be really helpful. The hours work out fine for people in that age. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What a strange thing to do, like in your twilight years. Like, what do you want to do in your twilight years? I want to do SNL. I'm gonna. Yeah. I'm gonna get SNL. Also, too, yeah. Like, how hopeful is that? You know what I mean? Because you know, you get older, and you you you're so you're so limited. You know, you can't drive, you can't do all these things. But if you could be cast on SNL, oh my god, what a you know, worker. You don't need to drive. Yeah, yeah. But you're just you're you're limited in what you you have. You don't have as much access to life as you once did. But if you still had the ability, you know, you don't have to be a customer service rep for like taking calls for Amazon. You could be you could be on SNL. Man, amazing. There's no rule saying you can't. Uh, yeah. But you do have to. I understand you do have to be home by eight. So that that's where the yeah. That is the, I mean, they'll work that out. You know, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying I've got all, I mean, I've got everything worked out with this. You'd have to figure that part out where maybe, you know, you, you do some pre-tapes with her, but she's a, they are a cast member. Yeah. <laughs> they just do like a stand in. They're a great during the actual recording. They wake up at four in the morning and then they come in all refreshed yeah. when you guys are yeah. on your end. They just keep yeah, it yeah, man, when you're bloated, full of Chinese food, red eyed, and then like 
They come strolling in with a packet full of ideas. <laughs> Drawing from experience. Yes. Like having I mean, just walked a mall. <laughs> yeah. Also, yeah. <laughs> that's a uh, man. That's that's such a great. I don't know uh, that people need to that that needs to be seen more or be like just old people walking the mall. It's yeah. it's a great. It's just a great part of our culture. <laughs> it happens um, everywhere, and no one's talking about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or taking pictures of it. I don't know. It's just a great. A sw- <laughs> they're like a school of fish. They just go by in a mall. It's it's amazing. <laughs> there they go again. Yeah. Oh, there go the minnows. That's what it feels like. <laughs> and, and, and I love I love it too. Um, for example, sports. Uh, yeah. The, the the PGA Tour has a, a whole senior circuit. Right. Why don't they do that with more sports? Great idea. Great idea. I'd love to watch the senior NBA. <laughs> <laughs> You're absolutely right. This is a great idea, man. Senior everything. Just yeah. And Crazy they, thing is that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar would still dominate in the yes. citizen. He's still pretty spry. For sure. For sure. I, Dr. Yeah. J, uh, he, you know, he made that cameo on The Office a few years back, still True. knocking down the the the, the dunks. It is funny because you it. do you shrink as you get older, but like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is now like six foot eleven. You know, it's like ah, he's not seven feet one anymore. <laughs> Boo hoo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, these guys still got it. Um, but yeah, I think I mean they would be so beneficial, especially in a writer's room, just because like having been in a writer's room where like I've seen the impact of diversity and like the importance for it and the the real positive benefits of it. Um, having a person in there that's like, man, shut up, you young idiots! Like, no, the world is not like this. Man, it would be huge because like how many shows do you watch where it's just like, uh, it, it, you know, they're just sort of like there's no there's nobody in there with an opposing view or to be like, man, you're all wrong. Why? Because I lived till 70 years old. I'm knocking on heaven's door here. Yeah. You want to talk about your TikTok account? Right, right, exactly. Yeah, man, I just, I just think it would add so much. And a much needed, like, especially now, because, like, you know, it's like we live in such we live in such a time where, like, you know, ideas just hot takes just go unchecked out into the ether and then they become doctrine. So to have like a real voice that's in there, that's like I fought in Korea. None of this adds up (laughs) would be so cool. Yeah, there there does. There always there should be a dissenting voice. You know, there's too much of an echo chamber kind of field of things. And yeah. And, and one that's not, that yeah, not just being contrarian for contrarian sake, but one that's just like, no, the world doesn't work like this because I know the world more than you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was on the Titanic and let me tell you, <laughs> Beckinsale isn't taking her shirt off for anybody. Those rooms were cold. <laughs> Ooh, it would have been nice if it was Kate Beckinsale. Winslet. But Winslet's all right, man. That's a great Kate. Yeah. <laughs> Don't ever. Don't ever besmirch Kate Winslet around me, man. That, that was not the intent. <laughs> and, and let's hope not, David. <laughs> For a lot of people, uh, yeah, if your first boob was Kate Winslet, uh, you know, we need some more diversity. We need some more seasoning in the writer's room here. Wait, are you talking? Are you making a? Are you making? Are you saying Kate Winslet's boobs aren't good enough to be your first boob? Because <laughs> I won't hear of it. <laughs> I'm saying that if, they, if that's rack. how young you are, oh, I you don't see. know the world. Yeah, like, you got it, like David. Some My people bad. do. You yes. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Now, Marilyn Monroe Playboy should have been the first one that you saw. 
Yeah, that is, man. Somebody, I think somebody was telling me because they hadn't heard of Marilyn Monroe, Ooh. and then they like they first heard of her like five years ago, and they were like, "Man, this Marilyn Monroe was hot." And you're like, <laughs> "Yeah, <laughs> what?" <laughs> hey, she yeah. was very body positive. Yeah, I don't know. The, the woman our president was cheating on his wife with. Yeah, I would imagine. Oh man, it was great. Oh, own boobs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow, you don't say. <laughs> wow. Well, um, Time. Wild time. You know what's interesting too about because we're talking about the the elderly uh, at shows. People always get like apprehensive. Like they'll always be like, "Oh, there's a lot of old people here. Like they're gonna be like buttoned up." And it's like they've seen everything. You know what I mean? It's like they're just like whatever whatever I've done at 38 pales in comparison to what I will have seen by 36 or maybe 76. I mean, you know, it's just you just accumulate years and you just accumulate trauma and then you just get you know. Um, uh, cold to it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can't. Yeah, jaded. <laughs> can't wait. Yeah, but fun jaded. You know what I mean? Though you can be jaded in a way that's enjoyable. Mm-hmm. You know, where you're like that, like that gruff cop, or that, like, you know what I mean? Like that, that person that just stares into the middle distance for hours. <laughs> that's fun. You know, <laughs> what age do you think you transition from being weird to like uh, eccentric? Um, I get, can I, do you have like a more specific example of like what you might be thinking when you're like, when you're younger, people are like, Oh, that kid's weird. And then at one point they just stop saying that you're weird. And then they're like, Oh, well, I guess he's just eccentric. And that's how he's always going to be. Oh, that's cute. He paints birds. (laughs) (laughs) And only in green. Yeah. I think it's when they see who like, cause it's, cause when you're a kid, you're like, Oh, you're like worried about weirdness. Cause you're like, what's that going to look like when you get older? Is he going to make it, you know? <laughs> and then once you, once you reach a certain age, they go, okay, this is who he is. He can now just be an eccentric. We're not worried about him anymore. This is just who he is. And he seems to be okay. So it's fine. I think that's a good segue into your bit. Um, because, uh, you know, the way that, that you set up your your grandma, you introduce her as a character uh, in this on this track in your album. Um, it, it does a really good job of kind of like this is who this person is. And, and you know, here are the eccentricities and they're funny because they're harmless. But also like, yeah, yeah I don't know. There, there's a there's a whole lot to it. Um, if you want to introduce the clip itself. Uh, then we'll uh, we'll talk about it. We'll, we'll break it down into a couple different chunks too. For sure, man. Uh, so I think we're doing. Uh, this is uh, this is Vicky. This is Frank. Is that the title? Mm-hmm. I forget, man. It's a couple years ago. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this is a bit. Uh, this is a bit about my grandmother, uh, and then um, her uh, meeting a guy in the nursing home. Take All it right. away, David. <laughs> <laughs> Take it away yourself. <laughs> I'm not Take taking it, away it anywhere. Me. Also, too, I don't want to contribute to segues. I'm the derail guy. Yeah. That's what I'm here for. I derail things. Totally. Get it to different places. I don't segue. Same, yeah. man. I'm not I, I, you, but you need it. You need the guy. You you need the derail guy and you need the segue guy mm-hmm. because otherwise it's just it's too far off course. And right. I unfortunately I'm a derail guy too. So David's got a, a uphill battle on his hands. <laughs> Let's today. go. He said that's a good place to segue, and I was so ashamed of myself. <laughs> no good here. It's, uh, comedy's about making connections, and if I can find a way to connect something totally unrelated to what the, the direction of the, the podcast is going to go, I'm going to take that. 
No, bless your heart, man, because I'm trying to get this thing off course as much as I can. I'm trying to talk about baseball times. (laughs) (laughs) Bobby Bonilla is a senior citizen at this point, right? (laughs) Good, man. You're good, David. Wow, yeah, I, didn't, I have no idea who that is. Bobby Bonilla, is that is that a bubblegum flavor? What is no, that? no, that's the guy that's getting that contract, man. Oh. It does sound like a bubblegum flavor, though. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> Bubble Bonilla. That's what he should have done with his money. You really get an understanding of how much tougher times were. Like, gum, they like they would, like, talk about gum like it was, like, an afternoon activity. You know? Like, look at some Bazooka Joe and just chew gum around each other. It's just like, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Life was horrible. <laughs> My whole family, super conservative Italian people. I used to be so hard on my grandma about her views. I'd be like, how can't you believe in gay marriage? Basic human rights. And then one day I asked her, I was like, what's your biggest fear? She goes, I don't know, I guess gypsies. (laughs) That is funny. It changed my whole perspective. I think how progressive your grandma could possibly be all depends on where she's coming from. She's living in fear of a gypsy takeover? She is not making it to transgender rights. Got him. <laughs> she is racist. Uh, is. It doesn't bother me, though. She's also in a wheelchair, so... Yeah, that's not like her ideas are going anywhere. (laughs) Funny line, I forgot it. Good line, home run. (laughs) That's like a modern, if a tree falls in the forest. (laughs) If an old lady in a nursing home says the N-word and all her friends are deaf, did she really say (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot packed into that. Killer. I what a talent. Something racist is, was a government cover-up, really. <laughs> Let's dig. Let's get in there. What, what's that about? Um, yeah, man, I had so many more punchlines that I do now. It's kind of funny. Mm. I realized yeah. that. It, it, it's super punchy. That's why I had to stop it after a minute 19, because it's like there's so much more after that, but we need to... We need to break that down a little bit first. Let's break it down. Let's get our hands dirty, Phyllis. Then it's the point where we break it down. Uh-huh. Love the misdirect up front. Uh, the, you know, you have a conservative Italian family and uh, you're, you know, and then the first punchline, fear is gypsies. Uh, like she's scared of gypsies. That's awesome. Uh, number one, because we get so mad at older generations for not being progressive. Right. <laughs> you know, again, we don't shit, you know, we don't, yeah. we haven't lived what they lived through. We don't take that into consideration. And so when you introduce the, uh, you know, conservative family, the conservative grandmother, the audience is going to think you're going another way with it. Right. But then you kind of develop this, uh, this almost like sympathetic character. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, she's scared of gypsies. Like she's not going to make it to transgender rights. Yeah, you're expecting too much of these people. She's a, she's she's a living woman in the in the in the aughts or whatever who's afraid of gypsies. You really think she's going to be able to go through all the hoops to get to transgender rights? It's like it's you're just asking way too much of people. Mm-hmm. You know, she's got a good heart. She's just like that's an impossible task. Plus, what are the odds of like running into a whole group of people that have had run-ins with gypsies and they're like they're not that bad of people? <laughs> right, right, yeah. And she's like, yeah. Here's where you're wrong. I've watched gypsies <laughs> slaughter millions. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, and yeah, I just there you there there needs to be more empathy from uh for like the duration of a life and you know like you know where where you start from to where you end up and also too like i i don't know if this like really adds up but my theory with like a lot of people with like things that they can't say anymore i think it's just like if they can't say that anymore that means the world is changing that means that the world they know doesn't exist anymore that means they don't exist anymore. So when they're like, I, when they're like, how come I can't say the N word? They're really just saying like, I don't want to die. Like, that's really what I, you know, uh, that's what I think. It's all in baseball times. So it's just Ken and I discuss it in great detail. If we, we, we go between that and Abner double day on our podcast. <laughs> but, um, yeah. uh, that, that's a really good point though. Is like, are we driven? Are we just driven? I mean, if we boil down our humanity, to one basic instinct it's we want to live yeah and i think these are representations of like oh you're not young anymore if the word you used to frequently use isn't in uh the the lexicon really anymore then it's like yeah you're not relevant anymore and that's a really difficult thing to face so rather than face that you just rail against it mm. rather than just go yeah man everybody died <laughs> i'm going to die too who gives a shit Let's go bungee jumping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but it's that that fear though. It's built up, like you were saying earlier. We don't talk about death. It's right. it's a, like a hot button topic. Like, I'm not gonna show Crazy. up to a party full of strangers and be like, "Hey, we're all you know we all yeah. have in common." Yeah, it's so weird. Yeah, because we all have it in common and we're all slightly scared of it because any kind of change is difficult. And that's really what it is. It's the most drastic change of all the changes that happens in your life. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it it's just that, you know, I'm like, you know, obviously there, there could be a tremendous amount of pain involved leading up to it. But like the actual uh, threshold is is just that. But we treat it like it's, you know, we treat it like it's this unspoken thing. And because of that, like it becomes so mounting and so scary when it's like, yeah, we could have been kind of laughing about this thing. That's inevitable <laughs> the whole time. There's just no way around it. Right, right. It's not like if we don't joke about it, it's not going to happen. Yeah, exactly. I, so I always find it so strange because I get other topics where you like you can't joke about it because it's like, you know, it's offensive. It's it's this or that or like someone has been hurt by this thing. So it conjures memories. But for, for death, it's like it happens. It, it's, it's a universal thing, you know, um, and I understand like some deaths are gruesome and untimely. But like as a concept, like it shouldn't be something that's like taboo at a show. Like it should be something that's like, I'm glad you're talking about this because I'm scared of it. So thank you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's probably and, the only natural part of life that we actually fear. I think. Yeah. Like, I mean, we grow older. That's a natural process. We have bowel movements. That's a natural process. Getting hungry. No one's afraid yeah. of getting hungry. Right. But is a, such as, it's just as every natural thing is every one of those things I just mentioned previously, but we are afraid of this one thing because it's the end. It's the unknown. Yeah. That's the word right there. The unknown. Like if you're hungry, you know that you can find food and solve <laughs> right. that. If you have to take a shit, you know that you can do that. But if you know, like you're going to die, what, what, what can I do? Yeah, I, I I find it comforting in that it's it's like not and I love life and I'm very happy, but it's like there is something to be like, hey, great, it's all over, you yeah. know. 
I just, uh, I don't know. And I just, it's like going to sleep and I just never wake up. Yeah. It's like, that's fine. That's yeah. why I don't understand the people who believe in an afterlife. That sounds exhausting. Like, <laughs> I, I want it to be over. I don't want there to be anything. That's yeah. why I don't believe in a God. I don't believe in a heaven. I don't believe in a hell. I just want to be dead and gone. Yeah. And, and your body gets you ready. You know, you're in like, you're in so much pain. Like if you've really like hung around, like, you know, I've, you know, I had the advantage, but like in a nursing home, it's like, <laughs> like everything hurts. You're, yeah. you're completely miserable. So it's like, yeah, when, when, when that does come along, you're not really upset about it. You're just like, yeah, thank God I'm so tired. Yeah. <laughs> My grandmother lived to 101 years old. Right. Like she, towards the end, she was like, I just want, like all of her friends were gone. She yeah. didn't know hardly anybody anymore. And she just like, I just want to die. I'm like, you're 101 years old. God doesn't want you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, I, that's a good point though, man. Like I get, you get to that age, you start, then you start the, like that egotistical kind of your part of your brain clicks in where you're just like, shit, I gotta be around here for a reason. Like, so it's going to come up eventually, but I'm, I'm here. For, I'm here for a reason. You've survived like 12 presidents. Right. Right, right, right. Jesus. Oh, man, maybe I should learn how to fish finally. <laughs> right. Yeah, you start treating it like Groundhog Day where you're like, ah, maybe it's this thing that I got to do. Maybe maybe I got to eat all the cake in the diner and that's what God wants. We had our audition, we had a audition for SNL for her, but she didn't get the part. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nobody <laughs> wants me. God wants me on SNL. <laughs> not, even Lauren, not even Lauren Michaels wanted her. What a fun thing, too. Because, like, you know, if you are, they do start hiring the elderliest cast members on SNL and they're just like, like, yeah, some of them are going to die like halfway through the season. <laughs> like, it's going to be a thing. <laughs> That's one way to kill off a character. Yeah. Osteoporosis is taking a turn, so I think we might be all right. <laughs> right we have a strictly wheelchair. Like, I'm, I feel like I'm being typecast. Yeah, you're. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why am I always playing FDR? <laughs> we didn't have to kill this character off. They just died mid scene. Yeah. <laughs> and then somebody at UCB is like, they escalated that sketch way too fast. That's yeah. Yeah. Too- yeah. yeah like you call that a second beat. How dare you do that to the Herald? <laughs> <laughs> the audience wants to know that they're okay. Yeah. Oh my God. I can't, I'm going to do a vulture write up about this. I'm so upset. <laughs> That would be so funny. A vulture article about a woman really dies in an SNL sketch and they think it's an improper second. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be so funny. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Have we nailed this thing yet? What's going on? No, we are right on. We are right on course, man. man. Yeah. See, and and these are the things. It's like, Again, it's it's the denial of mortality that yeah. that is humorous to me. Uh, and that's, you know, that's where I think a lot of comedy comes from is because we want to put on this this image of like perfection and we don't have flaws and right. we'll keep those behind closed doors when it's way healthier if we're just open about 
our, our shortcomings, our yeah. misgivings, the fact that we might be wrong sometimes, uh, and the fact that we're going to die. Totally. I mean, that's my favorite thing to see in comedy is watching someone who's not doing it because sometimes you will see people who've like they've figured out the trick of like, oh, if I'm like vulnerable enough or if I'm like um, giving enough, I'll win the audience's favor. But when you see someone who's like, oh, I need to purge these things because I think they're hilarious and I want other people to be more comfortable within themselves. Like, that's my favorite thing to watch Mm -hmm. in comedy. I hate to see comedy where the guy wins the whole time. It's just it's unnerving, you know? Right. If her biggest fear are gypsies, there's no way she's going to get to where we want her to get because she's starting at such an antiquated (laughs) worry. And there's just there's too many hurdles she'd have to cross in between to get to what we want, which is um, her to understand transgender rights. I just tried to think of at the time, what was the most... um, uh, what seemed to be the most like of a disconnect with people. Um, and that, that just seemed to be something that like uh, people from an older generation couldn't wrap their heads around, but it's like, yeah, of course they can't wrap their heads around because they're starting a hundred years ago. And you have to understand that that's an entirely different world. So to hold them to the standards for today, it's just a little unfair. I understand the progress. It's just a little, the expectations just um, aren't quite right. Mm. That or we're expecting all of like um, of the elderly to be like um, Greek historians. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's just you know they're they're just not so just like uh, it's kind of like give them a pass in this regard unless they really are like saying things that are harmful. But if it's basic confusion, um, don't worry about it. You know, it's just like um, they don't. I, I bet, you know, if, if you took her, but you bore her 80 years from now, she would be on your side. It's just a it's just a gap thing. And it's like and sh- you're going to be her. And that's the other thing that kind of like you have to have empathy for her because you're eventually going to be her. So it's kind of futile to be mad at her. You're kind of mad at yourself in the future in a way. Mm. Mm. Projection. That's yeah. I feel like a lot of anger comes from that. It's like, oh, I see myself in that. And you're challenging who I am, but I don't want to admit that. So I'm going to get mad at you. Right. And it's also like, I'll never become that. So I'll, yeah. st- I I'm worried I'll become the real thing is I'm worried I'll become that. So I'm going to be so outspoken against mm. it to hide my worry. Mm. Mm. So this isn't so much. We're talking about why it's okay to laugh at old people. It's okay to laugh at ourselves. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. It's okay to laugh at yourself uh, because this is very easily you in the future. Right. And the the gypsy thing, like what's our fear going to be, you know, TikTok yeah. following us like vaccines, <laughs> like AI technology, baby, it's coming yeah. after you. Yeah. There's, I there's, lean into that shit, man. If, if I, if you can put a microchip in my head where I'm 90 years old and I understand all the new technology <laughs> Because it's like implanted in my brain. Hell yeah, I'm all for that. I mean, the government I, could use me as a weapon. I don't I, care. Absolutely. <laughs> since we're all cyborgs, we're just not connected to the phone. Totally. Yeah. Access to information, we just get to set it down once in a while. Yeah, yeah it's exactly like that. That hurdle hasn't been. Uh, that line hasn't been crossed yet. But I look uh, at yes. it as the force. Everything's interconnected, and you put that microchip in your head. You're plugged into the force, so you know when millions of voices cry out in pain 
and are suddenly silent. Man, you're like <laughs> Superman. Jeez, yeah. that's a nightmare. Everybody's like <laughs> Superman, where they hear a million screams at night before they go to bed. <laughs> 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 yeah. That one's funny because it's too real. (laughs) I meditate to the sounds of anguish. (laughs) Too soon. I like what you do here, uh, just from a stand-up perspective. Uh, You, the punchline is that the fear is gypsies, and then you start the next joke. Yes, with the punchline from the previous joke. Just just saying in a different way. So, fear of a gypsy takeover. She's not going to make it to transgender rights. It's a great way to kind of escalate it a little bit by using that that previous reveal as the setup, and and that's that's such a cool tool. Was that intentional? Uh, yeah, it was just um, I mean, you know, like you you with like you know, certain bits, they kind of just come out the way they are, and like that's like one in a million. But then like the other ones, you're like, okay, all the parts are here. I just have to figure out how to assemble them the right way to get to where I want to go. Mm-hmm. So I think putting uh putting gypsies there, it was like, oh, this is gonna. It's almost like serves as like a thesis statement where it's like, oh, this is the best way to say this thesis that also is kind of funny. So mm-hmm. it's like, so I'm building momentum momentum in terms of like just getting like leaning people over to funny because once they're leaned over it's a lot easier than to get them with the punchline um so the that's the intention is like okay this is going to best describe what i want to do and it also is kind of a punchline in itself so if people recognize it as a punchline then i'm kind of golden rolling into the rest of the bit Mm -hmm. Uh, and that obviously comes from a lot of experience. Those things kind of come more naturally the more you do it. Yeah. Um, it, so you started this bit because you wanted to make this point, correct? Yes. Okay. Now, when you when you make this larger overarching point, um, overarching, overarching, whatever. Man, nobody knows. Yeah, it doesn't no, matter. Yeah. Doesn't. I watch Frasier. I'm not Frasier. <laughs> <laughs> So when you when you decide, okay, I'm going to talk about this. This is something that I care about. This is something I want people to laugh at because I want to them to see kind of my point of view on this. Do you start by making that more overt thesis, and then the more you work on it, the more you replace that that hitting the nail on the head with the the punchline? Yeah, I think you just learn your own voice over time. I think when I was a younger comedian, I would have, I would have, uh, and and some comedians can just do this. It it really just depends on who you are up there. But like some comedians can just can make that overt point, and then everything everything grows from that overt point. But I found with me, I'm more successful if it's hidden. Like uh, like John Mulaney does a really good job of this where it's like oh you don't even know that you were just told something because it's 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 just it's so underneath the surface so i found with my comedy like that worked best where it was uh okay i have a point which is great which is like i think the hardest part in comedy is to have an original perspective and once you have that perspective for me usually it's like okay how can i tie this into my own life and make this either a story or an anecdote, which serves the purpose of the point I'm trying to make. Because chances are, whatever, the the idea doesn't just come out of thin air. It does come out of some real world event. But if I have the point, then I can kind of look for like, okay, like what's the actual event or what's like the piece of dialogue that spawned this point? And then um, it's just kind of about finding it and then uh, getting it all out the right way. And that just is repetition. I'm always looking for a personal way in because if you present people with uh, a, something personal, it's concrete. So then they go, okay, I believe it because I can see it. And then if you say your more abstract thesis after that, 
they're already on board because they've seen it work in the real world. Because then they go, okay, like you did support your idea up front already. Now I'll kind of go with you with wherever you're going. Rather than like sometimes like you don't give them the chance to be on off board because they can't be because they just learned that this exists in the real world. Yeah, I've found that if I present, so if I want to talk about something that that's relevant, but also controversial is one of those things where like, I love watching an audience tighten up and then releasing that tension. But yeah. I mean, that doesn't happen the first time, most of the time. And uh, so what I, the way I like to do it is I like to present a solution that's so out there, right? That you can't help but laugh because yeah. it's like, oh, that's not like it would work, but it's not, you know, totally. Oh, that's the best. When you present, that's uh, that's also that's like another uh, favorite thing I see in comedy. When you present, like, what does hold up as like a working solution, but it's a fun and silly solution mm -hmm. that, like, if you actually enacted it, it's not going to work. But like for the time being, in the moment of like, I'm in the audience, I'm watching this. It's like that makes sense, and that's hilarious. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like, um, Chris Rock is like a master of that. That's like uh, one of my favorite things that he does. Going back to your bit, then uh, you kind of so that gets the big laugh. Then you open the next bit by saying she is racist. Yeah. So she goes from being the sympathetic figure. Now the audience is like, Oh yeah, we just got reminded of, of <laughs> what's going on. Uh, but then, you know, your whole, it doesn't bother me. And then you follow that up by supporting it with the, uh, <laughs> the uh, she's in a wheelchair. So it's not like her ideas are going anywhere. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny uh, and and i look at my parents the same way like right like you know they're they're ingesting fox news all day every day but why am i getting worked up about it right. it's not like they're, they're going to go out and yeah she can't even get on the internet like, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. i have to tell her how to like yeah. use twitter to <laughs> you know even, yeah even if she could somebody would have to wheel her over there to <laughs> <laughs> that's such a funny scene they wheel her over there to mart like to like scream or rail against somebody and then they have to wheel her back um, <laughs> um yeah that was like uh i wanted um i knew that's like you know what's in your pocket and you know that you're like hey i'm gonna say that i'm gonna i'm gonna let you guys know that she is racist so that you go like like okay like what's this gonna be about mm -hmm. but then i know that i'm gonna tell you but here's why it doesn't matter and um, so that's like it gives you the confidence to just say like a um, not controversial, but like just like a really abrupt statement like that, because, you know, you have a good supporting argument for it. I mean, whatever gets a laugh. If I got to throw my grandmother under the bus to get a laugh, <laughs> I'm going to throw my grandmother under the bus. Get Man, the Joan Didion said that you're in fine company. <laughs> no, I'm like she didn't say that specifically, but she was she did say as a writer, you you're you're a good writer when you're always selling somebody out and like, you know. To some degree, like you, you have these characters in your life and you want to treat them. You love them. You know, I love them. So I want to, I want to make sure that gets across, but there's also a reason I'm telling you this. And that's because they're doing things that are hilarious. Yeah. They're not necessarily right, but they're hilarious. And I still love them, but you should know, you know, I'm a comedian at the end of the day. Yeah. You have to, you have to love your characters, even yeah. if you. Uh, even if you, you, the goal is for the audience to turn on that character, like you have to have that, that affection for them. Otherwise they're going to yeah. be written out of hate and that's never good. Yeah. It's like, I'm, I am, uh, I'm almost like glorified, like, uh, I'm attracted to how playfully wrong they are because it's mm -hmm. harmless. You know what I mean? And like, 
that's so fun to watch. Uh, just somebody who's just kind of like, they're not really, it's not really detrimental to anyone but themselves. And um, yeah, that's fun. <laughs> also, I don't know if that's a direct quote from Joan Didion. So I don't want any Didion heads out there to get at me. <laughs> But she did say something along those lines. We got a bunch of Diddy heads listening. <laughs> yeah, that's, I want, that's. I don't want that's the Jonies at me again. God damn it! <laughs> Canceled by a very specific niche. I love the, the one thing I love so much about that bit is the non-liter, non-linear association between the two things. It's so it, like, and they work so perfectly. Um, how did you get those two things to connect? And like. How many different things did you try before we got those things to connect? Uh, which part? Like the the wheelchair, she's not going anywhere part? Yeah, that that and the um, the gypsies and uh, what was Oh, it? right. The gypsies and the transgender rights? Yeah. The, uh, gypsies and transgender rights I think was easier because um, I, I remember having a conversation with her where she said her biggest fear was gypsies. And I remember like, you just kind of note things, you know what I mean? In your life. And then eventually you're like, Oh, this is why I thought that was so funny, but things just kind of stand out to you. And then I was like, Oh, I always thought it was hilarious that her biggest fear were gypsies. I have this thought about elderly people. This just, this is just syncs up perfectly. And like, you know, your brain just kind of will throw that out at you at whatever given moment that, you know, it decides to do that. But, um, the the wheelchair thing i think was like a little bit more difficult because like i really wanted people to know that because i really like that was trickier because with the other thing it was like okay i have this like empathetic idea of like um it's just that like you know from where she was she's never gonna get to where we're at but with the other with the the racist one i was like well she is racist but she's very sweet it's not harmless. So that was trickier because I was like, this is, this is um, a debilitating character trait to give to somebody, but how do I also let the audience know, but it's okay. So that was, that was harder just because the subject matter was a little dicier. Um, so that took a little longer to get around to the idea of like, well, why is it okay? And I think I probably went through a couple versions of like, you know, uh, whatever specifics I could find about her that would make it okay. And then eventually the wheelchair was the one that really struck me because it was like, Oh, she physically, if she wanted to, can't go anywhere with her ideas. And I was like, that might work. And then um, with a little tinkering, you know, it did. Yeah, she's not a monster. She's just an old lady in a wheelchair. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so exactly. before you all march down to the nursing home. Right. You know, well, like you would have to visit her to access her racism. Like yeah. that's, you know. <laughs> yeah, and, that, and that makes you the asshole here. <laughs> yeah. Not all Professor Xavier where we could just do anything from a wheelchair. <laughs> Right, right, right. Exactly. So it's um. So even if she is, you know, she has these ideas. You don't need to really hold her over the coals for him because she can't enact anything. So it's fine. Right. Um. You you build that cognitive dissonance too because I I'd be willing to bet I'm going out on a limb here sure. that most of your audience isn't pro racist. No, so. no, no. I, I do comedy in New York City. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> there's a reason why these bits have to be so finessed. That's in the north, right? It yeah. certainly is, sir. Yep, Yankee yeah. country. Yeah, that's in that, that city where they raised an entire black neighborhood to build a park <laughs> for your tanning and your penguins of Madagascar cartoons. 
<laughs> yeah. Love, oh, man, that's so funny. If someone knows the history of New York based on Madagascar. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> like, yeah, I've seen it. It's all zoos up there. I know what it's about. Laughing. <laughs> 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 Today's episode of You Can't Laugh at That is brought to you by Water Cooler Comedy. Water Cooler Comedy helps teams develop their sense of humor so that you can connect deeper, collaborate better, become more creative, and have fun doing it. Because why shouldn't work be the time and place to laugh? And these are all skills that we need now more than ever in today's changing state of work. As leaders try to find new ways to be innovative and to adapt to uncertainty and to be creative in the face of change, humor is actually a skill that workers can develop to be better at their jobs and to connect deeper with their teams. It's a skill, which means it takes practice. And that's where water cooler comedy comes into play. Whether you're looking for a motivational keynote, a training workshop that brings people together, webinars, consulting, coaching, and certified classes, check us out at watercoolercomedy.org. Watercooler Comedy makes work the time and place to laugh so that you look forward to clocking in on Monday morning just as much as getting that first drink on Friday night. Can't laugh at that. The uh, the modern tree. Uh, if a tree falls in the forest. Um, oh yeah, yeah. That that was that's a really good bookend uh, to that bit. Okay, Thanks. it wraps it up really nicely. Yeah, that um, uh, I I always um like old. I don't know the word for whatever those whatever those sort of things are. I guess just old quotes. I don't know. But like I'm I'm always looking to use them in bits as much as I can, just because like more often than not, like they give you like a natural bookend, kind of like what you're saying. So if you can find like a perfect place to use them, I find that they're very effective and they're just like kind of fun to say because they've already, everyone knows them. So you can have a little fun with like how you say it. And, um, in reference to what you're, uh, um, how you're trying to use it. I'm, I'm just going to say this right now because maybe we'll use this as a, as a pull clip. Sure. Comics. If you're not listening to this episode, fucking listen to this episode. <laughs> There's like gems of wisdom uh, after gem of wisdom here. I'm, I'm like sitting here like, man, I want to be in this conversation, but at the same time, like I have so much, like you've said so much that that just makes so much sense for what I'm working on currently. For sure. I cover it all in baseball times. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this stuff isn't that far out in left field. That's for sure. <laughs> nice. Now, yeah. I, let me ask you this. If the Pope shits in the woods and goes around the city, <laughs> did it happen or was it a government cover-up? I get this question a lot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to the rest of the bit. Sure. Um, because because there's a lot there. We introduce a new character and uh, mm, that's a lot exciting. of... Yes, that's a fun <laughs> two new characters, actually. True. Uh, so let's dive into that, Jeremy. Oh, why well, you got to put me on the spot? I don't know the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> you want me to Jeremy, what do you think of it? Well, what, let's, let's listen. Why don't we listen first? <laughs> <laughs> She's getting more progressive, though. She wants to get married. 90 years old. Her boyfriend, 62. I know, not even a cougar. It's a different animal. 
like a water buffalo. So here's the other thing. So she's 90. He's 62. She's also deaf. He's blind. He has one leg. It's an interracial relationship. And they met in a nursing home. And I ain't never felt more pressure to write a joke. So the first time we ever met him, I was talking to my mom about it. I was like, isn't that crazy? My mom goes, I know. I can't believe she's marrying a black guy. I was like, I can't believe that's the part you can't believe. We just met a decaying pirate. You're hung up on that? Holy shit, all right. And she also thinks the whole marriage is sexually motivated. <laughs> she was like, legally. <laughs> Which already, my mom is a beautician, not a lawyer. Whatever is next out of her mouth is bullshit. Whatever it is. But <laughs> she goes, legally, if they get married, they could sleep in the same room. Then they could do whatever they want to do. I was trying to egg her on. I was like, what do they want to do? <laughs> then she thought about it and she goes I don't even know if they could do it probably just hand jobs I was like first of all you gotta give me a heads up you're gonna tell me the grossest thing I've ever heard and second of all nobody's marrying my grandmother for the hand jobs she has severe arthritis. Her fingers are like eagle talons. He'd be like, not with those wolverine claws. Get away from me, a talking rake. Yeah, man. Yeah, I heard that in a while. Another home run. That was the first question, that was the first question I had. Is like, what is she even still capable of doing? Yeah. yeah, that was it was a pretty easy uh, A to B. You know what I mean? Because like my mom gave me that whole bit. That's like it, that's almost exact dialogue from our conversation. Um, I, I really have been blessed with uh, just great. I've been surrounded by great characters. Um, and it's just like uh, sometimes it's like overwhelming because there's uh, I have to do a service to what the gifts they give me. So if I don't, I feel almost guilty that I'm not. But yeah, no, my mom said that exactly. And then when she said hand jobs, I was like, why would I really? It was a very quick of like, why would anyone marry my grandmother for the hand jobs? And then I was like, she does have severe arthritis. <laughs> and then. And then and then it was in my head. I was like, oh, I think that's funny enough to be the end of the bit. But I probably tried to write a couple more angles outside of that. And they just like I did them and they didn't get as big of a laugh. So it just ended at um, uh, arthritis. And then I was like, I really wanted to sell the imagery of how plagued by arthritis she is. So I was like, let me just add on. the. Let me just write like let me write 50, probably not 50, but probably like probably like 25, somewhere like that, of just like um, ways to describe her arthritis, and I'll just uh, pick the funniest ones. <laughs> Did, uh, I, so this is what I'd like. I have a bit where just the whole the weed, if weed were mandatory. Right. Um, next week, that's like, that's my goal at all my open mics is in a world where weed is mandatory, punchline. In right. a world where yeah. weed, and then just yeah. like, pick out the best ones. 
Um, is, is that something that you've ever, you've ever done, or is that a method that you would recommend? Am I wrong? Totally. <laughs> no, 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 you're not wrong. Cause once you have, um, I think once you have kind of like, uh, the punchline of it, or at least like, um, I guess the main or the, like, once you have the thesis down, um, and it's getting a laugh and it's working, then the it's really fun because then you could just open up a Google doc and just write however many, um, and then just pick the funniest ones. Mm -hmm. No, no, certain. It depends on the bit. Like every, you know, the bit kind of tells you. Uh, this sounds so esoteric, but the bit kind of tells you what it wants from you as a writer. And um, uh, I do think that, like, yeah, the 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 bits that give you that are the most fun because you get to have that moment where you're like, oh, cool, I can just make a list of the darkest, funniest, most horrible things, and then just pick the ones that I think are are uh, make me laugh and are going to be the most palatable. The visuals fant are fantastic. So severe arthritis, eagle talons, wolverine claws. Yeah. And then <laughs> yeah. talking rake. Yeah. I, I had like the, yeah, I had that first and I was like, oh, I want to build to that. Because mm -hmm. if I say it, if I say it right away, it's too abrupt. People are going to mm -hmm. be, it's going to be too jarring for people. So I was like, let me build to that with just ones that like present an image. They're not so creative, but they'll present an image that people will laugh at to get me to my ultimate goal, which is, I want to say talking rake. Cause I think it's hilarious yes. and I think it's, um, yeah, I just, it, I think it's creative. Um, but too soon they would, they would back off from that. Right. You have to be mindful of that, uh, that abruptness. You know, yeah. That's, yeah. Comedy is, is the, the cheese. Because, yeah, because they the, talking rake, it might even be too abstract for them to get to right away. But if they if they, you can get their mind going towards like Eagle Talons, Wolverine Claws, like they're like, OK, as a civilian, as an audience member, like I, these are things I understand. But then it's so much easier to make the jump to talking rake. It seems like a logical jump rather than like what we want to do, because we see further down the road than they do comedically we just want to jump to the funniest thing which is totally understandable but their brains aren't firing like our brains are for the most part so you kind of have to give them a little bit of a breadcrumb right right yeah the, the gap from setup to punchline can't be so wide that they don't understand how you got there yes yeah yeah um and then you kind of you open up the bit in a way that walks them there too uh, the the cougar, the play on cougar. Like, yes, the, I've seen a lot of different takes on, you know, what's a different animal if they're older. And so that that's just that's a, that's like a familiar yes. thing for them to, to open up the next part of the or the next chunk of the bit. Yeah. Um, stating that she's getting more progressive. She wants to get married at 90. Um, that, that's pretty interesting because meanwhile, like she doesn't want certain people to get married. Um, so that's yes. a good other side of the coin kind of. Thing. Yeah. Is that done intentionally? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of just the way that it was working out in real life. So, um, you know, with comedy, like especially with stand up, um, before you get a fan base and you're allowed to be more verbose and that you they trust you so you can kind of you're allowed a little bit more freedom. Um, you have to get the narrative across as fast as possible or else people are going to tune out. Mm -hmm. So like the real simplicity of it is, is that like. She, you know, used to, she, you know, she's still, she's still like a, you know, 95 year old woman. She's going to say problematic things, but she now is in love with this black guy. And before she, um, didn't, you know, said, uh, said questionable things about minorities. So there was this actual change that happened in her. And I just needed to get that across as quickly as possible. Um, so I had to do the racist 
the more like racist joke or like the um, not, it's not transphobic, but we'll just say that for now up front to get to like, but she actually is getting more progressive because that was the truth. It was just um, it was um, told by way of bits. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the, the cougar thing, what happened there, man, I was I because the, the line I liked because I couldn't come up. It was the, I really couldn't come up with an angle that was funnier than the premise, which was that he is. The truth is that he was younger. He was blind. He's in a wheelchair. He's got one leg. And it's like there's no punchline that's going to be funnier than that premise. And eventually I was like, well, then maybe that's the punchline. That's mm -hmm. just too hard to write. And people, I was like, I wonder if that's too inside baseball, but I think spelling out all the things about him, people got it. Like that's a joke where around comics or like um, in uh, more alt rooms, it would kill. And at clubs, it would do well, which I was fine with. You know, like I was like, that's all I want. I just don't, I don't want it. I want it to be, I don't want it to bomb, but I know it's not going to get the laugh that it's going to get other places because they're not as comedy savvy. And I'm okay with that. I'll sacrifice that. Yeah. Um, and then the Cougar line was uh, literally, uh, that was from a heckler. Because I would have never, because you mentioned that it's like it's kind of a broader line, and I I thought of that too. I was like, I it, your mind just skips over it because you're like, that's ah, kind of an easy joke. But a heckler said water buffalo, and I was like, that's funny. I don't know, and um and they were and they were like, you could use that, and I was like, I think I'm going to, and then it just was working. So I was like, all right, fuck well, it. What made that unique was it. You said not necessarily cougar, but a totally different kind of animal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what made it unique in my head. I'm like, oh, okay, that's not literally like, right? Any corners there? Yeah, barely. And, and by the time you get to that point, you've already painted such a vivid picture of the two characters that we're dealing with in this story. So I thought that was pretty impressive how quickly you got there. In in my mind. Yeah. And, you know, the water buffalo, it's just, it's kind of an obscure animal. So I think that helped and um, people laughing at it. Uh, yeah, it subvert it subverts. Yeah, it, it subverts the audience's pattern of thinking enough. Yes, it's not too far out there because I mean, you know, you see lions take down water buffaloes and pretty much every nature documentary anyway. So it's <laughs> right. it's still in the same ballpark, right? Uh, talking baseball, but but <laughs> not too far out. You know, in in you know, I'm not going to say out in left field again. I've already used that. You can't use the same line twice, David. Well, um, bro. And, and another thing too, like it's. You, so you introduce all these things. She's 90. He's 62. She's deaf. He's blind. Uh, he has one leg. It's an interracial relationship. So you're, you're introducing all these, these, all this information. Um, it's similar the way you set up the punchline. It's similar to like a priest and a rabbi and a, and yeah. a, you know, the Dalai Lama walk into a bar kind of thing, yeah. but it's just a lot more intricate. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I just wanted to keep building upon it. So by the end of it, like these people are like, holy shit, that is a lot of stuff. Yeah. And I felt like doing it with like uh, in that rhythm of like uh, going back and forth was the best way to accomplish that. Um, because then like people were like almost like waiting for the next thing. And then once it ends, like they're like, damn, that's a lot of stuff. And then going like I've never felt more pressure to write a joke. They kind of go like, oh, that would be difficult. Um, so yeah, that, that just, uh, um, it felt like the, the most effective way to do that. Right. It's, it's like almost like breaking the fourth wall. Yes. So to speak. Um, cause one of the things that, uh, when, when I did improv, like one of the things that you learn is not to comment on the scene because right. then you're not part of the scene. Right. Uh, and so I kind of model like how I write, 
uh, stand up that way. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if the situation calls for if it, it, yeah, it it was the only logical conclusion. Believe me, I. I, I don't know how many angles I tried at open mics. I recorded into my voice recorder and everyone that I listened to, I was like, it's just not as funny as the premise. And I literally came to this idea of like, I don't know if anything is ever going to be as funny as the premise. So just try to say that and see what happens. And I did it at a mic. Obviously, it's all comics. So it crushed. And I was like, OK, so I think I'm on to something with that being the right course of action, now I just need to see if audiences are going to get it. Mm-hmm. And like I said, like the ones that were comedy savvy really got it. And the ones that weren't, the bit was structured so in a way that they felt led along enough where they still laughed. Mm-hmm. And that's all I, that's all I could ask for. That's fine. And then, and then you introduce uh, the conversation with your mom yes. to kind of build on that joke. You know, I can't believe that's the part you can't believe. Like yeah. The, the, can't believe she's marrying a black guy. <laughs> yeah. Once again, an exact piece of dialogue from my mom, but also to further paint the picture of like, yeah, this is how much my grandmother has changed. Mm-hmm. If my mom is saying this is the part she can't believe, like this is how powerful this relationship is for my grandma. It's made her not a racist anymore. And it's also, it's like, now you know she's not, now you know she's getting more progressive. So now you feel more apt to laugh at that part. And you also have like the other racist joke with the wheelchair. So like you kind of see her as like a little bit more of a harmless figure. So um, yeah, then that is an exact piece of dialogue from my mom. My mom, my mom is continually giving me gifts when it comes to comedy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just like the way you introduce the character too is you don't say a whole lot about them. You're not like, you know, this is who this person is. Yeah. You know, here's where they're from or whatever. Uh, the the line of of she's a beautician, so everything she's gonna say is bullshit. Yeah, like that that tells everybody everything they need to know. And so they're <laughs> yeah. looking at her through that lens the rest of the way. Right. Yes. Exactly. Um. Because it's like when you're up there, uh, I think it's just more effective writing if you there if you give them actionable character traits rather than just a, a list of things about what they are. Because right. it's like because then otherwise, like if you're an audience, you go cool. Now I have a list of information. But if you can see them doing something, the audience can just make the connection and go, oh, this is this kind of a person. We we think in pictures anyway. So exactly. You know, it, it, being able to get them to paint that picture. And that's what I love about the decaying pirate line is that's funny by itself, but then you can literally hear the audience putting that picture yes. together in their head. Uh, and then the laugh is a little bit longer <laughs> for that reason. And that's so fun. Yeah. And I think that's a good thing to, cause that's something I had to learn when you're doing jokes that then you kind of provide a visual for them. That's like, you know, a little bit, it's not that it's like super complicated, but it's like a little bit more complicated than just like, here's the image. They have to think for a second, just mm-hmm. take a second as a performer because they will get there. Just believe in them that they will. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's something, cause I would used to step over that line a little bit. Cause I just like assumed they didn't like it, but I liked it so much that I would just keep doing it. Mm-hmm. But, um, but it took me a little while to be like, Oh, they need a second to kind of put the pieces together to make what that image looks like. Right. And everybody has their own image of it, which yes. is, uh, yeah, that, that's, yeah, that's great point there. Um, let's move on to the last part of this. For sure. bit, Jeremy. My grandmother's boyfriend, he recently lost his shoe. We need to get him a new shoe. 
but he only has one leg and they only sell shoes in pairs. We want to throw the other one out. We found someone else in the nursing home with a matching missing opposite leg. Who's the right shoe size? Oh, just the saddest scavenger hunt I've ever been on. <laughs> the darkest sequel to Cinderella. <laughs> Great tag. <laughs> Their fights, they get resolved drastically different. I was in there the other day, I was talking to her, I was like, what's going on? She was like, I'm so mad at Frank. We didn't talk for hours. Now we're okay. I was like, how'd you guys make up? She goes, well, we forgot what we were fighting about. That's the key to a happy relationship. It's not respect, trust, don't go to bed angry. It's dementia. Just, I love you. Who are you? Huh? Yeah, those, uh, um, the shoe part, that, the shoe, uh, I actually wasn't there for it. My mom did all that, and I was telling that story as my mom did it, but it wasn't working as well. So then I was like, well, my mom doesn't do comp. She's not going to be upset if I... She's not going to be like, that's my bit. So I was, <laughs> I was like... We think you've stretched the truth a bit. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, I just inserted myself from into her position. It's straight like com. I mean, that's what I like about comedy, where it's like it's not an exact science, where you can approach it like math. Um, and it's it's smart to have that approach, but at some point, the art part of it takes over, where there's like kind of no rhyme or reason why things work or don't. So for whatever reason, I was telling that as like because it was like a natural. Um, segue from my mom with the hand job. I'm talking about my mom. I'll talk about how he lost his shoe, my mom. But for whatever reason, they, I think because it wasn't, I was not part of the action at all. And I was just now telling, I was saying now what my mom had done and I wasn't a part of it that I think the audience felt um, too removed from it. So I just put myself there. But that's the, pretty much the exacts of what happened as my mom described. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it doesn't have to be 100% true. It just has to be funny. You're yeah. So, and it's, it's based, it, it's based on a true event. It's just that my mom is, does my mom is in a standup. So that story would just go nowhere. And it's like, once again, like going back to like feeling like you owe something to the characters, you owe something to the art of it, where it's like, that's so funny. And the world, you know, not the world, whoever listens to my album, whoever listens to my album would be, uh, I guess, deprived of something that could bring them joy. If I have the capability to use that, why wouldn't I do it? Um, yeah. 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 I mean, where is, where do you feel like the line is as far as like being able to take artistic liberties with something that really happened, but not necessarily? Um, I kind of, I, I mean, I, I, whatever you do, you do. The audience usually lets you know, like, you know, people like, you know, people are pretty good bullshit detectors, especially on mass. Uh, so, mm -hmm. They they kind of just let you know. For me personally, I think the line changes with every comedian and whatever you're like, whatever your approach to comedy is. Uh, for me, it's like it's very very close to the truth. Usually, uh, because as I'm saying it, I I'm not a good liar. So as I'm saying it, the audience will know that I'm not telling the truth. So for me, for it to be. Uh, to go over, it needs to be as close to the truth or if not, like the entire truth as possible. Mm. 
but it's just it, it depends on the kind of performer you are. Yeah, I think that there's a way to make something that is because I have this bit about how I get into an altercation with a whole group of ants, and because I'm Native American, I'm horrified of anything that colonizes. <laughs> That's really funny. So I have this like thing, and I I I, I always set it up with like there's going to be a time in this story where you think to yourself, I don't know if this really happened this way. Right. But I need you as a, I need you to like uh, suspend disbelief right now. Yeah. Sometimes like if you don't even have to spell it out, if you can find another detail um, within the story that like that, that people would go, Oh, this has to be real then. You know what I mean? Like, and it could be the world, like it could be your surroundings. It could be something that's a part of the ant, but some kind of small detail where the audience then goes, this must be real because how else would you get there? Well, my, um, my connection of trying to make it real is like, do you, you guys ask me like, how do you know that these ants were colonizers is because they, they spoke in a British accent. <laughs> <laughs> Right, right. Um, but yeah, no, because I, I think I was. Did you guys see that movie, White Tiger? Um, is a Netflix movie. It was like I think it was up for an award like last year or whatever. But it was based on a book, and like you can always tell when stories are based on books because they have these like little moments, or when they're based on true stories, they have these little moments that it's like, oh, a movie's not going to see that. It's like his uncle was being cremated, and the fire did something to his toes. That was, it was like, oh, you couldn't just make that up out of thin air. You'd have had to see that. So I think adding, if you add some kind of detail like that, it helps to sell the authenticity of what you're saying. That's a good point. You don't want the audience to feel too far removed from the story because they're yeah. already, I mean, it's already hearsay yes. by what you're telling them anyway. Yeah. Um, and, and so like the closer they are to it, the more they can get out of it. Like the less, yes. the, the less they have to like leap to uh, be in on the story because if it's like oh yeah my friend's mom yeah or my friend did this or but you know it yeah and i thought i was like oh i'd introduced my mom as a character so i thought that was like enough where it's like oh they know my mom so they could follow a story along about my mom but it just wasn't the case uh Mm -hmm. and it it needed to be me at the end of the day and uh i basically just followed all the steps of what she told me and i just i wrote them i wrote i wrote them all down took out the parts that i didn't need and just kind of told it as it was and Mm -hmm. people people laughed and the the cinderella punchline that was the that was what i thought was the punchline and then i was having dinner with sam morell and sam was like man that story is so funny but it was kind of like that eagle talons uh, wolverine clause where he was like mm-hmm. you just you need a line before that that the audience can identify with more so you can get to cinderella and that was the scavenger hunt line mm-hmm. yeah that that was that was a question that i had was like what was the order of of writing yeah. those those punchlines and and at no part during the story either did you say i was the one that found the person it was we so yes. you're you know you're you're not even saying that yeah i didn't want yeah i i couldn't stray too far from the truth of like that i did it independently because mm-hmm. i knew as i was saying it i wouldn't be able to put the emotional impact behind it because i knew it was a lie um but if my mom was still there it was close enough to what happened because that is what happened. I just now am added to the equation. So I could I could tell the story in a way that felt honest um, so I could convey the feeling that I wanted to. Mm. And then you close it with, again, one of those, uh, not like, it, it's one of those quotes, you know, what what's the secret for a long and happy marriage? Right. It's, you know, it's don't go to bed angry, uh, respect, trust. 
Um, so those three, and then the punchline, it's dementia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, the, anytime, that's one of those. Yeah, it's great. Anytime you can flip a known doctrine on its head, like that's a sweet spot in common. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever you can go, hey, man, this is the thing we've all believed for years and years and years. I'm going to tell you why that's not true. That's you really. That's where you want to be. Mm-hmm. Why is it? Because you can kind of see that punchline coming. Like you introduce, yeah. you introduce it. You you pretty much give away the punchline at the beginning. You know, I forgot what we were fighting about. And then it's not, you know, is that the rule of threes um, d- uh, disrupting the pattern that, that makes that punchline still hit, even though you kind of already gave it away? What, uh, did, what would you say? Yeah, I think so. I think people are waiting on, uh, I think at that moment they're waiting on like, uh, not the perfect sounds uh, too much, but they're waiting on the right punchline because um, they they you you, you had I had to give them the whole setup because the way the events took place, they had to know what was coming because mm-hmm. like the joke becomes the scene and now it's like okay how do I put a button on this scene which wraps it up perfectly because the scene itself the end of the scene can't be the end of the joke um, it's just too uh, it's got too many frayed edges on it if that makes mm-hmm. sense um, so there needs to be just another line that ends uh, that is a button and it's the dementia line mm-hmm. because the scene is the the punchline mm-hmm. Right, right, and then you do like a little act out, but nothing like. Yeah, nothing, nothing too crazy. I, I always think I'm, I'm being like, I always think I'm like Sebastian up there, and like really, I just like move my hand to the right. It's always like <laughs> so nuts. Uh, but, but, uh, but yeah, um, yeah, a little, uh, you know, anytime you have like a line that can get, anytime a line allows you to have a little bit of fun, it's like, ah, oh, man, living that fun. Yeah, yeah, and, and you, another thing that, that does too is it kind of dictates when the audience ebbs and flows with you. Yes. So like you have the big punch of dementia and you don't want to go right into the next chunk uh, on, on that high. So you got to yeah. guide them to where they need to be. And, and I, feel yes. like, I feel like that's your whole album. It's just that, you know, that ebb and flow and really yeah. well put together. Thanks, man. Yeah, I tried as hard as I could to create a, like a narrative within the confines of, you know, doing shows at a VFW in stand-up. You know what I mean? Um, which, uh, yeah. Uh, so thank you. I think we we hit all the all the buttons. Normally, we, we go through the bit first and then break down the, the construct of, you know, why we can and why some people can't laugh at, at the certain topic. But we really knocked that out up front. Um, oh, yeah. I think we answered that. it in in a way that uh, connects with a lot of people is that no, your like your your resistance to laughing about this group of people is more of a reflection on yourself than it is the group of people. Yeah, I do think so. I could, it's you, people. You always see it with crowds, uh, with people in crowds, like where you're like they're bringing whatever they're bringing to your jokes, but you can't. You'd never met them, so how would you know anything? You know. So whatever their personal trauma is or personal experience, they're bringing all that into what you're saying, which is that's a tough matchup. Mm-hmm. You know, you write to try to. Um, uh, I keep that in mind, but it's like, yeah, of course you're going to miss. You don't know everybody in the world. My takeaway from this is if you really want to write a funny bit, know Anthony's mom. <laughs> yeah. man, you're, you're not off, man. You're really not off. Like, well, uh, it's really, I mean, you're, people hand you setups all the time and, and we get so into ourselves. We get so into like, oh, this is making me feel a certain type of way. And I'm more focused on that than the fact that they're giving you something, oh whether you're God. a comic or not. 
Yes, man. My my mom is just continue. It's like honestly, it's too much. Where it's like it's too much to to, to delineate all of it. Mm-hmm. Everything out of her mouth, I'm like that is very funny and probably could be a bit. But I'm overwhelmed by the last eight things that you said. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hold on, I'm gonna record you. Like, just have your <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> your phone on record at all times. I, yeah, man. I had something like that similar. Like, I so I did this true story. You had to tell a true story and stand up. And um, you, the story was like you had to tell two things that you didn't do that were shitty, and one thing that was true that you did. And the audience could try and pick which one was yeah the, yeah one of the two truths and a lie or one real one ended yeah. up so the, the things i chose were um i gave my best friend who just got a new condo an upper decker or i tp'd my neighbor's yard or i played a porn at a at a, a loved one's funeral and the real one was the loved one's funeral right and no one picked that one and so i had to tell the story and halfway through it i'm like this it is a real story it really, it really happened yeah and I'm like, oh, I actually do have something here. Oh, totally, man. You have, uh, you absolutely porn at a loved one's funeral. I mean, like, that's the obvious choice just because it's like, yeah, like you added specifics. You know what I mean? Like the upper deck, like it's like porn. That's very specific. And um, you definitely have a bit there. I don't, I wouldn't even need to hear the rest. That's absolutely a bit. Well, you're not getting the rest. (laughs) (laughs) You got to come to Cleveland for that shit. This isn't the time for that, Anthony. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what would you, uh, if you were to, to offer advice to somebody who is uh, resistant to laugh at this topic, and then uh, follow up question to that, if you're a comic trying to make this topic funny, uh, how can you find the humor in this? Other than in both cases. <laughs> yeah, other than other than have your mom. Yeah, I guess for the people, just have them investigate uh, exactly why they're upset. Even once they find what they think is the reason, then break down why that is the reason for them. Um, Just get to the core of what it really is, because it's like it's almost undoubtedly. I mean, obviously, you see some bits where you're like, yeah, I I know exactly why that's wrong. (laughs) But, you, you know, there's other bits where it's like, yeah, there's probably something you're bringing to the table to make you feel that way. So just investigate the feeling. Also, too, that like that's a fun search in and of itself. Um, and, uh, for a comic in terms of like, uh, approaching these topics is, um, uh, yeah, start with exactly what you want to say about it. And then once you have that, just, if you care about it that much, you'll figure out a way to make it palatable for everybody. And like, um, keep in mind why, like, keep in mind why they're not laughing. Cause sometimes people won't, you know, sometimes people don't laugh. It's just not funny. But then other times people aren't laughing because they're, they're just apprehensive for some reason. So if you can write the material to ease, uh, that, um, trepidation, um, uh, do that. But yeah, listen for why it's not working and like, um, just, uh, Stick to the core of what you're trying to do, but just finesse the rest. Mm. Well put. Uh, Steve, is there anything you want to throw in? Okay, cool. Because uh, that's usually the case. <laughs> you got the same stuff out of them. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. I always do that at the end of every episode. Steve, anything like after <laughs> after our guest like throws this like deep explanation as to why things are funny and what people can do to find them funny? I'm like, Steve, anything you want to throw in? He's like, uh... <laughs> 
No. <laughs> Uh, How do you follow that? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) The difference between Steve and I, Steve's got nothing. However, I -hmm. still got 45 minutes. (laughs) Finally, my time to shine. All right, and go. (laughs) Nope, that's it. (laughs) Well put, Jeremy. Well put. (laughs) Succinct. We can all pretend like we edited out what I I just said. Right, right. There's no (laughs) fat on it at all. You nailed it. Mind blown. Yeah, you can follow me on Instagram uh, at Comedian Anthony DeVito. I am, uh, you can go to my website, anthonydevitocomedy.com for all um, uh, shows. And then, uh, yeah, I'll just let you know I'm in uh, Bloomington, Indiana at the Comedy Attic, July 15th through the 17th. And if you live in the New York area, come see my one-man show. My dad is in Danny DeVito, August 14th at Union Hall at 730. And uh, yeah, this was a pleasure, guys. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for coming on. And thank you for helping us prove that uh, no matter how resistant to our own mortality we are, (laughs) there is always a way to laugh at that. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of You Can't Laugh at That. Make sure if you haven't already to rate us on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast platform you get your episodes of You Can't Laugh at That. Make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you share with your friends. Like us and follow us on social media. We're at You Can't Laugh at That on Facebook and You Can't Laugh Pod on Twitter. On Instagram, you can follow The David Horning. That is my personal Instagram account where I post any things you can't laugh at that that I don't post on Facebook or Twitter. Make sure you join our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash You Can't Laugh Pod. You'll get access to special bonus footage that we cut from the main episode because not not because it's bad, but because it just doesn't fit the theme of the episode. We want to keep these episodes within an hour and 20 minutes or so. Otherwise, we'd run the light big time. We don't want that. So make sure you join our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash you can't laugh pod. $5 a month gets you access to all the bonus footage. $10 a month gets you access to you can't laugh at you can't laugh at that which is a series that we will be starting in September of 2021, where we will go back through each one of our episodes and talk about what we've learned and how we've used some of that in our own comedy to prove that you can laugh at that. So, yeah, that's really it. Thanks again for listening to our episode, and we hope that you found a way to laugh at that.